Here's a scripture I want to talk about over the next couple weeks. Romans 8, 29 through 31 says this. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now I want to say this, many of us have used that scripture, and particularly in times like this, when you've experienced controversy, when you've experienced difficulty, when someone's persecuted, we, we quote this, the end of Romans 8, 29 through 31, then, um, we, we say, if God is for us, who can be against us? But we, we forsake all of the things that he said before that. The apostle Paul said uh, to the people in Rome as he was in chains, he said, God foreknew you, he predestined you, to be conformed into his image of his son, that, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he glorified. So, with all of that, what then shall we say to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? I really truly believe that the very beginning of that, for whom he foreknew, there are believers that don't even know that he foreknew you before you got here. And part of the importance of our Christian walk is to understand that he knew you before you came to this earth. And some of us can't even get past the first four words of this verse, but we quote, what then shall we say? If God is for us, who's, who is against us? And, um, and, I, and I think it's really important for us to break this down. So over the next several weeks, I'm going to go down through this. Today, I'm going to talk about foreknowledge. I'm going to talk a little bit about predestination. And, um, and so I think it's important. So if you don't have a pen and a paper, I want you to grab a pen and paper, and I want you to get that out. Um, you can grab your phone, and uh, we're going to jump in here, and we're going to try to explore this. You need to understand that the Apostle Paul is actually, when he writes this, is in Rome. And he's had quite a journey to get there. He's been snake-bitten. He's been thrown in jail. He's been left for dead. He's been ridiculed. Now, finally, he has come to Rome. He did not come in as a scholar, of which he was actually mainly recognized in. He did not come in in a nice chariot with great esteem and great honor. He's actually brought in in chains. And he's up under house arrest when he comes to Rome. Now, what's interesting about this is here's Paul, the Apostle Paul. He comes to an empire, not just a great city, but he comes to an empire of wealth. Of uh, It's a hub. A lot of traffic goes in there. You have to understand theology is birthed out of this city or this empire. It is great scholars are in this empire. And so... Here, the Apostle Paul comes to try to shift the Romans' thoughts on what it is to be a believer in Christ and, and, and what it is to be free in Christ, but he comes in in chains. See, God has a sense of humor. Uh, if you haven't noticed and you haven't lived long enough, he will give you the biggest job possible, and he will ask you to do it without any money. He'll want you to be, be at a point 
of influence. He'll give you a position of influence for mighty change, but not give you the credentials where people will listen to you. He'll pull you from little places to provoke big changes because in these moments is when He gets the glory. And He knew, he knew you. It said in the Bible, He said He foreknew you. And He called you and He predestined you for a specific purpose. But what it does not say in here is that He gives you all the money in the world, all the resources in the world, all the knowledge in the world, all the stuff you need to accomplish those things. Because when we trust in those things, we don't trust in Him. And when we don't trust in Him, we're not planted. And when we're not planted, we cannot be committed to what He originally planned before all this stuff in our life began to mess with his original plan when he foreknew us. But if you don't see yourself as significant in spite of your circumstance, if you define yourself by your circumstance, you will surely miss your opportunity to be used mightily for his kingdom. Because often, your circumstances do not predict your predestined purpose, and the calling that He's placed on your life. I promise you that many of you are sitting in circumstances right now, and deep inside of your heart, you feel God calling you to something greater than what your circumstance is saying. And I want you to understand you can submit to one of two things. You can submit to the circumstance of your life, or you can submit to God's plan for your life. But it requires you to trust Him and put your hope in Him. And so here's the Apostle Paul with chains around his feet, and he comes into Rome. Rome was an empire. It was a major hub. All the decisions are made here. The hub of ideas and concepts, a place where all theological decisions are made. The greatest thinkers of the age lived in Rome. And here is the Apostle Paul, a scholar, a thinker, someone who had something to say of value, somebody that they might have listened to. And God has now sent Paul, his servant, to exert change from a jail cell. Oh, if I had time to talk about all the preachers that think they need this and that to do and make a difference and accomplish something for God. And now is the season where everything has been stripped away and now Easter is on the rise and pastors are freaking out because they don't have all the bells and whistles and tricks and smoke and mirror to be able to display and stir up emotion and change people's hearts. Now things have been stripped away and God is saying and asking ministers of the gospel, am I enough? Am I enough for you? Is the word enough? And we have a choice to make today. Do we trust him and is our hope in him or or do we trust our gear and is our hope in our gear? See, God calls you from a jail cell. God calls you from a desolate place. God calls you where it doesn't seem like you can make a difference. God calls you where you seem limited and restricted. And I want you to understand you can parent from your house without having to go out. And you can provide from your house without having to go out. You may feel restricted. The church right now may feel restricted. But I want you to understand that we are in the place of greatest potential because we can trust God and not our gear. (laughs) And with the chains around his feet, he comes. And God called 
Paul and he wanted to use him from a jail cell, but here Paul couldn't trust his knowledge. He couldn't trust his schooling. He couldn't trust his education. He couldn't trust his relationships. He had to trust God. He had to hope in God. And his ability to do that allowed him to speak something to the Romans even while he was in chains. And so this is the oxymoron in life. You're called to bring freedom to a city, and you're called to do it from a jail cell. It's complicated, but not impossible. I want you to know that we're called to echo the good news of Jesus to our world. But we're called to do it in house arrest. <laughs> I think this scripture is immensely ironic. As the Apostle Paul tries to bring the good news of freedom from a place of restriction. Here the church is being positioned just like the Apostle Paul on house arrest. But it will not stop the good news of the gospel from getting out. It does not prevent us from echoing the good news to the people that are in our circles. We are called. It may be complicated, but it's not impossible. Because much of life and much of our calling will always be complicated. You know how you know how the church is stepping into its calling right now, how I know and I and I just I'm guarantee you I know that the church is stepping into its calling right now. I know it because it's complicated. And I believe that the more complicated it gets, the more potential we have to be used for his kingdom. See, God is really God, if you're really calling me to Rome, I, I believe Paul probably asked this question, God, if you're really calling me to Rome, why didn't you free me first? It is from the perch of this predicament that the Apostle Paul writes to us to inflict upon us the idea of this new Christian concept. He comes to put substance and structure to a fairly new faith of Christianity that is less than a century and maybe even a few decades old. And he begins to try to lay the groundwork of the freedom in Christ and he does it in chains. But I want you to understand that even though he did it in chains, he impacted people to be set free. And his circumstance did not prevent him from helping set captives free while he was one. He said, he said Apostle Paul says in the scripture, He whom he did foreknew. Meaning this, it speaks to God's knowledge. God knows all things. The difference between uh, new money and old money, I wrote this down, that there's a difference between new money and old money. <laughs> God didn't just get smart. He always was smart. God didn't just get knowledge. He always had knowledge. He knew all things and has always known all things, understanding all things, infinite wisdom. This is why you come to God and not to your mama. This is why you come to God and not to your pastor. This is why you come to God and not to the news stations. Dear God, dear God, dear God, don't go to the news station. This is why you come to God, because He has infinite wisdom. It is not, it is not 
uh, a lie. It is not fake. It is not unlearned. It is not, there is not accidental. He speaks, and when he speaks, he speaks straight to the heart of your purpose because he knew you before you got here. He knew you before you went on house arrest. He knew you before you had your trouble. He knew you, and he still knows you, and he will always know you. The problem for many of you this morning is you're looking for an answer in a pair of pants. And you're looking for an answer in a skirt. And you're looking for an answer in places that you will never find it. Nobody is going to know you like God knows you. He knew you before you knew yourself. He foreknew you. I, I grew up in the church, and the old folks in the church would say, I knew you before you knew yourself. And basically what they were saying is, I knew you when you were still in the crib. I knew you when you were still in the crib. But listen, because I was in the crib and wasn't talking doesn't mean I wasn't observing. And actually, there's, there's new studies done now that even an embryo inside of a mother's womb um, is beginning to take in things that are going on around it and they are being formed and they are being, they are, they are being formed into an image. They are taking and observing and learning even before they talk. I know what they meant when they said, they saw me in the crib and said, they were basically saying, I knew you before you could talk, before you could have a conversation. See, there's a different kind of intelligence and a different kind of intellect that does not begin with a conversation. It begins with observing. And I think particularly in this season, we need to understand that observation is a necessary prerequisite for being effectively used for the kingdom of God. This is not a season to have a bunch of opinions. This is a season to observe and to listen and to consult God and trust Him enough to ask. Since He knew this was coming, we need to ask Him what our purpose is in this season. I could talk about this for a while, this whole idea of um, intellect does not begin with conversation because some of us spend 90% of our conversation trying to prove our intellect trying to prove our importance. And God is saying, I need you to spend a whole lot less time talking and a whole lot more time observing what my original plan was for your life. I want you to understand this morning that you're not a physical body seeking to be spiritual. You are a spirit adjusting to this natural situation we're in. My birthday celebrates my body. It tells you how old my body is, but my birthday does not tell the story of how old I am. My spirit is not aging. Uh, everybody listening under the sound of my voice, whether in your home or wherever you are, I want you to understand that everybody can testify, probably those that are older can certainly testify to the fact that you're younger on the inside than you feel and look on the outside. I remember when I, was, uh, when I was 18, I thought that 43 was ancient, and basically you might as well just throw them up in a casket because they're going to die any day. I remember thinking that a 43-year-old was the oldest person I could ever imagine. Now that I'm 43, I still feel like I'm 18, but I have a 43-year-old body. Um, 
You know, I, and I, you guys know, like, I, you know, I don't dye it. I don't dye my beard anymore because I tried to dye something one time. I dyed my eyebrows and looked like I had black caterpillars crawling on my face. And I was like, I'm, I'm not ever doing that again. I'm just going to be who I am. And some of us are falling apart on the outside, but that doesn't mean that we are not youthful on the inside. And I want you to understand because the, the, the epitome of your life is not this temple that we dwell in. It is our spirit. And here lies the contradiction in life, isn't it? Because you live in a decaying house, but you're alive in that house. And people judge you by the fallen shutters and the rotting wood and the paint that's peeling and the leaky roof. And they don't know the person that's on the inside because they only evaluate you by what's on the outside. And so the Apostle Paul was dealing with this because he was on house arrest. And he was in chains in the natural, but he was set free in the spiritual. And I want to encourage you today. There are some of you that look at your kids and you say, they're young, what could they know? They haven't experienced much of life, what could they know? I want you to know some of your greatest lessons and spiritual growth can come from not devaluing what your kids look like and the circumstance of their life and how old they are because your greatest Encounters with God can come from you valuing what's on the inside beyond what's on the outside. That's why the Bible says do not despise, uh, uh, do, not, do not look down on young people. Do not just evaluate the outside because there is a message put down deep on the inside, a seed that's wanting to grow up, and we need to begin to evaluate what's on the inside and not devalue the voice of the Spirit because we see the attitudes and behaviors of the physical. God says, it is not on the outside that I knew you. I knew you in the spirit. I knew you in the spirit. And those that worship him must worship him. Listen to me. God knew you in the spirit before you had your first birthday. And then think about this scripture. And those that worship him must worship him and spirit And in truth. That's why I can't stand worship that happens in the flesh. Because God never called us to worship Him in the flesh. He called us to worship Him in the Spirit. It isn't that fleshly worship is bad. It isn't that playing a guitar is bad. That happens in the flesh. But it is that when we we play the guitar in the flesh and we are void of the Spirit, that is not how He has called us to worship Him. He's called us to worship Him First, in spirit. And that is truth. A story of, uh, there's a story of a lady that is getting amnesia. And I, don't, I think she gets in a car wreck. It's a movie. She gets in a car wreck and then uh, her husband comes in there. And as she wakes up from her coma and she can't remember her husband. And, um, and it's just one of these situations where then he begins to try to help her in rehab. And she's, she can't remember uh, what her husband's name is. She can't remember the experiences. And, and uh, I want you to know that we have and have had a relationship with God in the spirit before we came here. And the fact that you can't remember it doesn't negate the fact that we had it. 
And this lady, she may not have remembered her husband, but it did not negate the fact that she had a wedding ring, that she had a covenant with him, that she had been married to him and previously had a relationship with him. And just because she couldn't remember, it didn't mean it didn't happen. I want you to understand today, many of you don't remember when we were with him in the spirit before we came to earth, but that does not mean it didn't happen. And when God encounters you, he encounters you much like that husband that encounters his wife with memories and, 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 and memories of what she did and her personality and who she was. And he's trying to help her rediscover what she was and who they were together. And I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, today God is like that husband and you've forgotten him and he wants you to rediscover who he is and trust him and hope in him like you used to. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And the reality is that every once in a while in this story, I remember um, she began to get flashbacks of little things, little moments, little encounters, little holding of the hands, little points of intimacy. She started getting flashbacks of what she had before. And that's what God does for you when He calls you. We begin to get flashbacks of our purpose and our destiny. That we knew Him before. That He foreknew us and we foreknew Him. And when we get those flashes, we shouldn't run from them. But we should embrace them. That's what a calling is. Listen to what He says. My sheep, in the Bible, my sheep know my voice. Listen to this. My sheep, if you're my sheep, you know my voice. Period. There is no question mark. There's no dot, dot, dot. There's no, well, what about if, well, I don't know if I, well, I haven't went to a class where they teach me how to hear God. No, no, if you're my sheep, you know my voice. And it says this, and a stranger they will not follow. Listen, so it's, listen, it should be convicting enough for us today for those that are listening online that have not heard his voice. That should be convicting enough because he says, if you're truly my sheep, you're going to hear my voice. But then he does a comma and he goes on in this and he says, and a stranger they won't follow. That concerns me for our church today. Because so many, so many people in the life of our church don't know his voice and don't follow him. They follow the enemy. See, I, I want to say this, and I'm going to say it bold, and I'm going to move on because I don't think I can stay on here very long. See, I don't believe people in the church have a problem hearing the gentle whispers of the enemy um, because I don't think they have a problem following a stranger. The reality is many of us hear the enemy speak to us in gentle whispers, you're not good enough, you're, you're not going to make it. This situation is going to break you. The, the coronavirus is going to end all life. The church is not going to be together when we, get, um, when we can gather together again. Who said we're going to gather together again in a building? My, my question to you today is, see, see, we get to a place where we haven't even consulted what God wants. We haven't tried to hear his voice about what he wants after the coronavirus happens. Let me ask you a question. Have you asked him if he wants the church to get back together after the coronavirus in a building? Or does he want us to be the building to the world? I'm not saying we're going to shut down the church. I'm just saying, have you asked him? Are you waiting on me to make an announcement about that? 
The reality is we need to begin to hear His voice. He says, My sheep know My voice, and a stranger they will not follow. You know how you're His sheep? You hear His voice. So let me reverse it. If you don't hear His voice, you ain't His sheep. And so some of you need to do some inventory today, and you need to ask yourself the question, are you hearing God's voice? And what does that say about you? I'll get off that for now. Okay. You can't understand why other people can't be satisfied or why they're continually satisfied where they are out in their life. You have friends that are, that are out running around, um, acting crazy, acting a fool, and um, you just don't understand why they can get, feel comfortable living that kind of life. It's because it was not them he called. It was you he called. And some of us need to get away from a them mentality, and we need to begin to evaluate a personal relationship with Christ. His, his calling will always provoke a level, a level of unsettling. The more uns, I'm saying when you're called, you'll be unsettled because a calling always pushes you to go. That's why he calls you to go into all the world, not be settled in all the world. He calls you to go into all the world. A call will always disrupt your life. Listen to me. I believe that we have got a proverbial phone call from heaven during this season. And God has put a call on the church. And that call has come and disrupt every part of our life. Whenever disruption happens, we need to listen and answer the phone to the proverbial call from heaven. And we need to begin asking, what is it that God is trying to say to His church? Them He called. He called, listen to me, God called what was His. He called what was His. We only bother what is mine, what is ours. If you're mine, come here. I only want what is mine. I only call what is mine. Listen to me. So, listen, I'll, I'll say it this way. God, is, this is in Romans, He's promising, the Apostle Paul is promising he will call you if you're His. So you cannot say that you're a believer in Christ and stand as a believer in Christ and then reject that you've been called to anything in this world because God has called you. Because if you're His, He's called you upwards into Christ Jesus. I want to talk a little bit about, we talked a little bit about um, uh, foreknowledge. I want to talk a little bit right now just for a minute and kind of set up next week. Foreknowledge. And then there's this foreknowledge and predestination debate in a lot of denominations. That God foreknew and He predestined you. That God foreknew you and predestined you to be saved. So if He didn't predestine you to be saved, then you're going to hell. And there's a portion of people in the world that He's predestined to go to hell and a portion of people in the world that He's predestined to go to heaven. That's not my stance on that. I was going to say it's ridiculous, but... You know, I've learned that the older I get, the more I think I know that I really don't know. But I really truly don't believe that God predestines people to go to heaven and hell. That God made you to be someone that's saved or not. That is as silly as saying that the weatherman who forecast the rain made it rain. Even though he foreknew it doesn't mean he made it rain just because he knew it was going to rain. God foreknew it. 
He predestined you. Then it says, those that he foreknew, he predestined. So he predestined you. Those he foreknew, he predestined. So he foreknew it was going to rain, and he told you it was going to rain. Then predestined means this. Pre means in advance. Destined means ending. Ending. He carried, so in other words, he carried the umbrella because he knew it was going to rain. He didn't make it rain, but on the basis of his knowledge, he set things into motion to accommodate what he foreknew. I'm going to say it again. He didn't make it rain, but on the basis of his knowledge, he set things in motion to accommodate what he already foreknew. He ordered your steps so that you would not rest below your destiny. So if you're one of them, one of them he's called, one of them he foreknew, one of them he predestined, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So uh, there's some of you in here today that says, well, they left me. I want you to know it's okay. Because if they left you, they should have never been with you. If they left you, they could have never stayed. What would Jesus be? I want to ask this question. What would Jesus be without Judas? See, we're always asking the question, what would Judas be without Jesus? But what would Jesus be without Judas? Sometimes God, when he wants you to fulfill your destiny, will put a Judas in your camp to help you get there. That it's not always easy when he calls you to something. Oftentimes, it's difficult. And if you get so focused on Judas, you won't be faithful to, the, to what he's called you to do. What would you be? What would Jesus be without Judas? And what would you be? Listen to me. Some of you can think of your Judas. What would you be without your Judas? Even Judas had a role to play. Those he foreknew, he predestined. And all that came. All of that came under God's umbrella of knowledge. I want to say this and then I'll close. You're not here because you want to be. You're here because you can't go. What do you, so you're like saying, well, what are you talking about, Sean? I'm talking, about, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to our church. I'm talking to our church family. Listen, I understand there are people here online. Listen, they'll come online, they'll listen online, but they won't be with us. I'm not hating on you. I'm just telling you, you ain't with us. You're here because it's convenient. You're here because your friend invited you. But you may not be with us. Maybe you are. Maybe you're with us. Maybe you're committed to what, to what God has called and purposed this fellowship to be. And I think that's great. But there, I'm speaking to our church today that have been with us, that have stayed with us, that have been committed. That, and I'll just tell you, you can't be, it's not about being committed to this house. It's not about being committed to me. It's about being committed to the Lord. We trust Him. We hope in Him, and because of that, we're like a tree planted and committed. And there are people in this fellowship, listen, you've wanted to go, but you couldn't. You don't even, there are people that come to our church that don't even want to be here, but they can't go because God called you here, and He purposed you to be here. And because you love the Lord and because you hope in the Lord, He has planted you in this fellowship because you have a calling that lines up with this house and where we're trying to go. And I understand being a part of this fellowship, it ain't always fun. Sometimes I don't want to be a part of it, and I'm leading it. I'm just telling you, though, but sometimes God calls you to things that ain't fun. 
He calls you to things that isn't perfect. Sometimes God calls you to speak people out of captivity and into freedom when you're in chains and in house arrest. God calls you to impossible tasks. And it isn't about having fun doing it. It's about being submissive to His Lordship. It's about being submissive to what He knew before you got here. So with that, you're not here because you want to be. You're here because you can't go. Everything that can go, listen, everything that can go will go. Some people cannot walk away because their commitment is not born out of their love for a pastor. Their commitment is not born out of their love for a fellowship. They, the, the commitment of these people is born out of their call from God. He foreknew you, he predestined you, and I want you to know he called you. And those he foreknew, those he predestines and those he calls, who trust him with all their heart and hope in the Lord, will be planted and committed. And let me tell you, you can't be a called individual and not be a committed one. Because a called person's a planted person. Lord, we love you very much. We're thankful for who you are. We're thankful for the way you move in our life. And Lord, I pray this morning that just like the Apostle Paul, many of us feel like we're on house arrest. And you have purposed us in this season to accomplish your will. And it seems impossible. How can we proclaim the freedom we have in Christ while we are in chains? But the Apostle Paul comes in in chains and on house arrest. He comes in and he speaks of a freedom that they can find in Christ. Here is a man not yet freed from his chains, but is preaching freedom to, a Rome, to Rome, to a people that see him in chains. God, our message is, should never be relegated down to our situation. Our message is always greater than our situation. God, I pray that this Easter and this season for pastors and, and for the church members and, and for the church in general, that we understand that we may be on house arrest, but this is the greatest opportunity to proclaim a message beyond our circumstance. And I pray, Lord, that in this season, just like Jeremiah says, that we would trust you and we would hope in you and not our gear, that we would trust you and hope in you and not our, not our smoke and mirrors and our events and our buildings and all the things, all the accoutrements and the things that make for a great photo op. God, I pray that we would trust in you and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ beyond our circumstance because your good news is more powerful than anything we hold in our hand. It is the spirit of a man. It is the spirit of a thing that moves mountains. Lord, I pray that we would begin as a church to begin to see the inside, that that dwells on the inside of a house. And we would look past the rotting wood and the, fall, the, the shutters that have fallen off and the messed up shingles. We would see a house. We would see beyond the outside of the house and into that that dwells within. God, I pray that you would get us, give us glimpses of our relationship with you in the spirit before we came here to earth. And that those glimpses would help solidify that we were always with you, we are with you, and we will always be with you. In your precious and holy name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I want to say this, then I'm going to have Pastor JR come up.
Um, we just got into two words of Romans, and I'm going to spend time over the next six weeks kind of unpacking this and, uh, and talking about how we as believers become planted in His purpose and in His calling for our life. And so uh, make sure you log on each week, and if you haven't, go back next week and get caught up. And, uh, and so we're looking forward to that. Pastor JR?